Parashas Vayeshev begins the narrative arc of Yosef and his brothers, their troubled relationship that will last through, from this Pasha, from Vayeshev, through the rest of the Chumash, through Vayechi, where the Jews go down to Mitzrayim, and that really continues throughout Shmos. The Jews are in Mitzrayim, the Jews leave Mitzrayim, and Pasha's Beshalach, Pasha's Bo, Pasha's Beshalach, and then they wander in the Midbar until finally they enter, they enter Eretz Yisrael, the Promised Land, in the beginning of Sefer Yoshua. All this, this entire narrative arc begins with the difficult relationship of, of Yosef and his brothers. He tells them his dreams. They hate him because of his self-aggrandizement, because of their, their jealousy. And eventually, when he goes to visit them, they originally consider killing him. They, instead, they decide to sell him. They sell him. He goes down to Mitzrayim. And all the, all the stories that we know, he becomes the... The viceroy, he's able to help Yaakov when, during the famine, but that brings Yaakov down to Mitzrayim, and the, the whole story all begins with the, the narrative in the beginning of this week's Pasha. So, what happens? Yaakov tells, Yaakov tells Yosef, it says the brothers, after the story of Yosef and his dreams, it says the brothers, they went to tend to their father's sheep in Shechem, Yaakov told Yosef, Yosef, your brothers are tending the sheep in Shechem, let me send you to them. Yosef said, here, ready to go. Go see how your brothers are doing, go how the, see how the sheep are doing, and let me know, uh, return, return a report, bring me back a report. He sent him from Hebron, he went to Shechem, he couldn't find them. He found a man. A man asked him what he's looking for. He said they went to, they went to Dosan. Yosef found them in a place called Dosan, and that's where they captured him and sold him into slavery. A couple of weeks ago, few, th- three weeks ago, Parshas told us, we mentioned a comment of Rabbi Yudah Chassid. Rabbi Yudah Chassid notes that for Yosef to approach his brothers was a very dangerous thing to do. First, we should note the fact that Yaakov was sending Yosef to the brothers in the first place, it's because Yaakov was worried about the brothers. The, the Pesukim don't say this, but a number of the Rishonim say, Shechem was, danger- Shechem was dangerous. Last week's Pasha, Pasha's Vayishlach, the brothers had massacred Shechem. Shechem may have had friends and relatives in other places in Eretz Canaan, nearby, who would try to avenge their, their, uh, their fallen friends. So that's why Yaakov was worried about the, the brothers, Rashbam says, because they killed the people in Shechem. He heard this from Yosef Kara. I like this pshat, he said. Yosef Bukhar Shar also says, they were, uh, they were hated in that area because of what they did to Shechem. So the, a number of the Rishonim say, the number of the Rishonim bring this idea that the reason Yaakov was worried in the first place was because Shechem was a dangerous location for the family of Yaakov. But we're going to focus tonight on the question of, wasn't Yosef putting himself in danger when he went, when he went to the brothers? He knew they hated him. Didn't, didn't he realize they, they might try to harm him? So, th- three weeks ago, we mentioned Rabbi Yudah Chassid. Rabbi Yudah Chassid says that, yes, Yosef knew that he was risking his life. He did it anyway. Who did he learn from? He learned from Uncle Esav. 
Uncle Esav, he said, Esav said, I don't, I don't expect to live long. Mepharshim explained, that means that Esav was a hunter, Esav was out there with wild animals. It was dangerous. He expected that he would run out of luck, and he, he was living a high-risk lifestyle. He would run out of luck, and he would die. Why did Esav do that? So for years, I thought Esav was just uh, a reckless person, an adrenaline junkie. But Rehuda Chassid says, no. The reason Esav did this was out of Kibbut Ava'eim. We discussed at length, Esav was held up by Chazal as an exemplar of Kibbut Ava'eim. And Rehuda Chassid says, Esav risked his life to go hunting. It was all to please his father. His father appreciated Kitsayid Befiv, Haveli Matamim. His father appreciated the delicacies that he brought him. So Esav would risk his life hunting in order to please his father. And, and Yosef learned from Esav. Yosef said, I learned from Uncle Esav how far one goes to, to fulfill the mitzvah of Kibbut Aveim. My Uncle Esav risks his life to hunt, to bring good food to, to, uh, to my grandfather, to his father. Therefore, I too, my father asked me to go see the brothers. I too, I'm, I'm going to risk my life. I'm gonna, I know the brothers may cause me harm. It's a risk I'm willing to take in order to fulfill my father's orders to go bring back a report about the brothers. So we're going to discuss tonight a, a number of different perspectives on Yosef's mission to the brothers, both in terms of how could Yaakov send him? Didn't Yaakov worry that the brothers hated him? Didn't, wasn't Yaakov concerned that his beloved son might come to harm Yosef himself? Why did he go? Shouldn't, shouldn't his, uh, shouldn't his uh, desire for self-preservation have forestalled him going to Shem? to the brothers. So we're going to discuss a number of different approaches to this point. A number of Midrashim seem to imply that it was just an error of judgment. It was wrong. They, they should not have done this. The Midrash Rabbah says, Bracious Rabbah, Amr of Chama Brachanina, Hadvarim Halalu Hayayakov Avinu Nizkar Umeyav Mishachin. Later, when Yosef was missing and presumed dead, when the, when the brothers gave Yaakov the impression that Yosef was dead, it says, ya- it says Yaakov, ya- Yaakov his, his insides were in turmoil, his insides were, was, were heaving. He says that, uh, what did I do? He blamed himself. I, I, knew your bro- I knew your brothers hated you. Yaakov was not naive. Yaakov understood the brothers hated Yosef. But the, he said, and you were a good son. You were an obedient and loyal son. You just said, Hineni, and I sent you there. It was my fault. I, I sent you to your death. Yaakov felt terrible for, and he blamed himself for what he had done. He, I mean, Yaakov, in some sense, favored Yosef over the other Yes, brothers. yes. So he was responsible for creating or stimulating that hatred as well. Right, so, so, so how he's pointing out that, that in addition to the fact that he sent him on that fateful mission, he also, he, his favoritism was the, was the one that was, the, was ultimately the root cause of the problem. The Gemara and Shabbos says, we learn from Yaakov what not to do. We learn that a person should never favor one child over another because of the, that, that one small garment, uh, the, the in, relatively insignificant garment that the Ksenos Passim, that, that Yaakov gave to Yosef, the Jews all went down to Mitzrayim. It was, it was, all, it was all Yaakov's error of judgment. That's another issue. That, uh, yeah, yeah. Did Yaakov realize that that was wrong? I don't know. That he was acting incorrectly? Talk about it Criticizing the Avos is kind of a dangerous. Yes, thing. but criticizing the Avos, right? We, we, we discussed this many times. Do we show them to what extent do they feel, feel free to do this? Right. In this case, it's midrashim. In this case, both points are midrashim. The point I'm bringing is a midrash that says that after the fact, Yaakov felt guilty for having for having sent Yaakov Yosef to his to his death. His 
putative death. And how he's pointing out that, that the that Yaakov was also guilty, and the Midra, and the Gemara criticizes him for this for the favoritism. Did Yaakov himself? The question is, did Yaakov himself ever realize? The Midrash says he realized his mistake apparently, but sending him down to Shechem. Did he ever realize that that, that he shouldn't have given him the Ksodas Pasim in the first place? That is a good question. I don't know. Like a bigger mistake. Yeah, uh, maybe there's less need for it. Maybe. There are other midrashim as well. Rabbi Menachem Kasher and Tarish Lema brings uh, more elaborate versions of the midrash. He brings one version of the midrash that says that Yomer lo When Yosef said Hineni, he was a dutiful son. He showed cover and murder to his father. Yosef said to Yaakov, "Abba, Yodeani kisonimosi. I know that they hate me. Vafilu yaharguni. Even if they kill me, I know I'm risking my life. Eni chozer dibur harekam." I'm committed to doing what you ask, even if I die. So Yosef knew he might die, and he did it anyway. Um, it says, the Midrash makes a kind of exerashav, it says, Yaakov told Yosef, Lech Lech go please and see. And it says in, in, in the story of the Egel, in Pasha Kisisa, it says, Vayar Aaron, Aaron saw and he made the Egel. What did he see? The Midrash says, he saw that Chor was killed. Because earlier in, in Mishpatim, I think it says that Aaron Aaron and Chor were left in charge. Moshe de- deputized them, delegated his authority to them. Yet we don't find we don't find any mention of Chor here. The Midrash says Chor was killed because Chor stood up to the mob and said, "This is wrong. We, we will not do this. We will not build an eagle." So they killed him. Aaron saw that Chor was dead, so he said, "I I uh, you know, I better work with them. It's the only chance we have." even because he, he, the only way he could slow them or manipulate them into, in, into mi- minimizing their avera was to work with them. If he would have just said no, they would have killed him and gone headlong into their avodah But anyway, just like over there, Bayar Aaron, what did he see? He saw someone was dead. So Lechna Re'eh, Lechna Re'eh is Kenyan Bayar Aaron. Lechna Re'eh, Yaakov was saying it, but the Midrash is darshaning that they saw the risk of death, they, they knew there was a risk of death. But the, nevertheless, Yosef understood he was risking his life. Nevertheless, he said, my father asked me, I'm going to go. That is what he did. Another version of the Midrash, Yaakov was niskar v'doe gumisonin al Yosef sholcha v'lasonimoso. Yaakov afterward, like the, like the Midrash Rabbah, says he remembered, he worried, he, he blamed himself, he can, that uh, he, 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 he was miserable about what he had done, that he sent him to, to, to his enemies. And Yosef had respect for Yaakov, and he, 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 wouldn't, he, 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 declined, he would not decline to go. So this is one approach that the, Yaakov sent him. Yosef knew what he was getting into. Yosef did it anyway because of his great uh, righteousness and his, his reverence for his father, and Yaakov indeed regretted it later. The Radak, the Radak disagrees. The Radak says that Yaakov, that Yaakov and Yosef did not anticipate any trouble from the brothers. They were surprised when it happened, or at least Yosef was, but the, they actually were overconfident. They, 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 they thought they were safe. Why? It says, Yosef, when Yosef said, Hineni lo pochad me'echav, he was not afraid of his brothers, even though he knew they hated him, because he thought, Yiras avivalem, he thought that the fear of his father would, would restrain them from doing anything like Esav said, the way some Rishonim, the way some of Farshim explained, he wouldn't do anything while Yitzchak was alive. Yosef thought that with all his brother's hatred for him, they wouldn't dare do anything out of fear for his father. He underestimated, I guess, how, how, how much they hated him, or, 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 or he overestimated how much they, they cared for their father's opinion, or, or he didn't realize that they would do it and, uh, and, 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 and fake an accident like they actually did. All right. 
Yaakov as well wasn't worried. Had Yaakov worried, he never would have sent him. And the Midrash says he, was, he, he regretted it afterward, but how could Yaakov do such a thing? Says the Radak, they were not worried. They, 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 they believed he was safe. Then the Radak adds that even if we might say, is that really the responsible thing to do? He says on another level, this is all... Akash Baruch Hu was manipulating things. This is a famous idea of the Midrash and the Mefarshim that Akash Baruch Hu engineered this whole story as uh, he, 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 he organized events because he wanted the Jews to, to go down to Mitzrayim as per the Brisbane Amsarim, Yedoa Teidak, Geri Azarachah, Be'eris Lolehem, etc. So of course, even if some things you might think, you know, why did they do this? At the end of the day, he says, we have explanations, but at the end of the day, Akash Baruch Hu was orchestrating matters because he wanted the Jewish people to go down to Mitzrayim. That is the that is the Radak. The Arachaim. Arachaim also says that they were not worried. Unlike the Midrash, she suggests they were not worried about harm coming to Yosef. Why? He gives a different reason. Not because not because of the fear of Yaakov, but the Radak sa- the Arachaim says Yaakov was making Yosef a Shliach to go check on the brothers and bring him back a report. That means he was a shliach mitzvah. The Gemara tells us, shluchem mitzvah enanizokim. People who are engaged in the performance of a mitzvah will not come to harm through the performance of the mitzvah. Even though the Gemara brings one opinion that that's only balichasen on the way to the mitzvah, not on the return trip, but here he says the return trip itself was part of the mitzvah. The mitzvah was to bring back the report to Yaakov. Had Yaakov sent him to bring care packages to the brothers, so once he dropped them off and he was going back, he's not involved in the mitzvah. But here the mitzvah was to, to bring me back the report, so the way back was also part of the mitzvah. Therefore, shluche mitzvah enanizokin, and therefore the Yaakov thought that Yaakov thought that Yosef would not come to any harm. Now, the Gemara brings machlokis. Uh, the, the Gemara brings a discussion whether the principle of shluche mitzvah enanizokin extends even to a case where the hezek is shiach, where the where the risk is high, is elevated. The the standard approach that we bring often is that shluche mitzvah enanizokin does not apply when it's shiach hezeka. Says the Arachaim. Initially, he says it's Machlokas in the Gemara, and and he says that the he says the, the way the way the Arachaim puts it is he says that he says that Yaakov held like the Rabbanan who said that even that that who said that even if it is the Gemara brings one opinion that says that that Hezeka we don't say shluchim etzayin but he says Yaakov had like the other sheet that say that we say shluchim etzayin even when it is shchiach. Yeah, that's to say Yaakov. This is a, this is an approach of Achronim to say that this is machlokus. Yeah, the, the question would be that what happened to the other? Why why did the other sheet not agree with Yaakov if that if that's what Yaakov held? Right. The the the, the, the points out that the, the Gemara brings an idea that where do we find that when Shchiyach Hezeka we don't uh, we, we don't say and we find it from the story of Shmuel that we mentioned last week I think Shmuel when when Hashem sent Shmuel to Shaul had fallen out of favor and Hashem after he had been appointed king he failed in the matter of Amalek and and Hashem sent sent Shmuel to appoint Ben Yishai to appoint Davin Amalek instead so when Hashem told Shmuel go appoint Ben Yishai. Shmuel said, how can I go? So we mentioned last week that the Rambam actually says that that was a failing of Shmuel, that, that, that it was uh, both Yaakov and his fear of Esav and Shmuel and his fear of Shaul were actually, were actually guilty on some level of a character flaw. 
but the, the Gemara seems to assume that Shmuel was justified. And the way the Gemara puts it is, even a Shluchim at and Nizokin, when a Shriach Hezekah, we don't say that. Shmuel was committing treason from Shaul's perspective. He was, he was going, appointing a new king. That was Shriach Hezekah. So how, how, can, how can we say that the Chum disagreed, that Yaakov disagreed and said, even when a Shriach Hezekah, we say Shluchim at and Nizokin. So what about Shmuel Hanavi? Why, why didn't he know this? So the... So the, the Rechaim says there were different levels. That case was really Shriach Hezekah. But uh, moderate Shriach Hezekah, that case was a very high danger. That everyone agrees that, that we don't say Shluch Mitzan and But But moderate degree, elevated danger, but not really dangerous. That's the Machlokas, Plimo and the Chachamim. Plimo is the other Chach. Plimo is the one who says even moderate danger, we don't say Shluch Mitzan and Nizokin. The Chacham disagree, and he explains Yaakov following the Shita of Plimo. Then he goes even further and says that maybe even, even Plimo would agree that, that, that the, the danger of, of posed, by, posed by Yosef's brothers to him is, is, is only considered low danger. The, 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 even if they hated him, the idea that Tzadikim, like the brothers, would, would kill him or harm him is, was very remote. So maybe everyone would agree that, that, and that this is a classic case of Shlucha Mitzvah and Nizokin. So there are different opinions. So there, there, there are different ways of looking at it, but the, the Archaim's basic approach is similar to the Radak, that no, actually, unlike the Midrash, they, they argue that no, unlike the Sefer Hasidim and the Midrash, that, 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 Yosef, and, that Yosef at least, or maybe Yaakov as well, uh, deliberately sent him into danger, the way the, the Radak and the Archaim say no, they, they believe there was no danger. The Radak says because they believe that the fear of Yaakov would restrain the brothers, the Archaim says because, they, because Yaakov was relying on the principle of Shluchim Mitzvah and Nizokim, the danger wasn't that great, and therefore we apply the principle of Shluchim Mitzvah and Nizokim. This discussion of how great the danger has to be before we stop invoking the principle of Shluchim Mitzvah and Nizokim is, uh, is obviously a major question. The Gemara you know, can, can be somewhat frustrating. The Gemara doesn't give any kind of quantifiable metric of risk, so, it's, so we're left just to kind of work out on our own which situations, uh, in, in which situations can we rely on Shluchim Mitzvah and Nizokin, and which ones can't we? During COVID, this was an issue. When, when they were dealing with, uh, sh- with uh, lockdowns and social distancing and were shutting down shuls and yeshivas, so the question, one, the question that Rabbanim and Postkin dealt with is, on the one hand, the Torah tells us, we have to behave responsibly, we can't risk our lives we can't knowingly risk our lives. On the other hand, if the risk is low, there is a rule, Shluch HaMitzvah and Nizokin. So the question is, how high, how, how high do we, does the risk have to be before we stop relying on Shluch HaMitzvah and Nizokin? You know, more, more traditional poskim tended to be quicker to say Shluch HaMitzvah and Nizokin. More, more modern poskim tended to be more COVID-cautious and less willing to rely on Shluch HaMitzvah and Nizokin, I think. But it's a real issue. The, the Gemara, the Gemara, if there's no danger at all, you don't need the principle of Shluch HaMitzvah and Nizokin. When the Gemara invokes the rule of Shluch HaMitzvah and Nizokin, obviously it's because the risk is greater than usual. But nevertheless, if the risk is relatively low, we say Shluch HaMitzvah and Nizokin. The question is, how low, when does that risk cross the line between major risk from Shriach and and not ordinary but not high risk? That's uh, a difficult question. So the Archaim, the Archaim is learning that the, the Archaim is explaining that the reason Yaakov was not worried is because if he, he believed it fell into the category of uh, low enough risk that we say, Shluchim Mitzvah and Nizokin. So the Archaim says, so how come Yosef got sold? So what happened to Shluchim Mitzvah and Nizokin? So... This kind of question, the, I actually just learned this in the Kol, we were learning Chulun, we were learning Parashuluch HaKain, the Gemara brings a story, or the story actually is in Kedushin. So Argyrus has a story in Chulun as well. Some have it only in Kedushin. 
the, the, the Gemara brings the opinion of Rabbi Yaakov. He says, Schar mitzvah b'hai al moleka. When, 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 when the Torah promises schar, l'man yerichun yamecha, l'man itavloch, kibur avayim, and shaloch hakein. In both places, the Torah promises long life and a uh, good life. Rabbi Yaakov says, Schar mitzvah b'hai al moleka. The, 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 the true reward of mitzvahs is not in this world. That means that means emesim and olam haba, not in this world. Rabbi Yaakov says, I have a proof, because sometimes you can have a case where a person does both mitzvahs together. He, he climbs a tree to get birds because his father asked him to, and he falls off and dies. What happened? Where's Arichas Yamim? Where, where's Laman Yitavlach? Must be, it's really Olam Haba and Tchiyas HaMesim. The Marcin Rabbi Yaakov actually saw such a story once. He, he saw such a story where, uh, where that happened. So he said, it must be Shemar Tzibhai Al-Maleka. The Gemara itself asked, the Gemara asked, but what happened to Shluch HaMitzvah and Nizokin? How can he die while he was doing these two great mitzvahs? The Gemara says it was a sulam ra'ua. He was using a uh, a non an unsafe ladder, and therefore it was shchiyach hazeka. And b'machum sakana, we, we don't rely on the, the same idea. The Archaim brought b'machum sakana. We don't rely on shluchim etzayin nizokin. You don't have that promise. So, but the Archaim is asking. I just told you that the danger was low, and that's why they relied on shluchim etzayin nizokin. So how is it possible that he that, that he came to harm? How is it possible that he was sold to be an evet? Says Archaim, he wasn't. He didn't come to harm. It all turned out very well for him. That the, ultimately it was for his own good. That's not called Nezek. Some people try to argue everything is like that. Uh, some, some, some people tell you inspirational speeches that whenever something bad happens, it's just, you, you think it's bad, you don't see the whole picture, really it's for your own good, like we find in various stories. But the Archaim is saying, no, there are times when bad things happen. But in this case, it was not bad. In this case, it turned out for the best. This is actually reminiscent of another Archaim. The Archaim explains that, when the, that after the brothers realized what they had done, when Yosef, when Yosef revealed himself to them in Parashas Baigash, they said, uh, we apologize, we, we, we did a terrible thing to you. And he said, no, it, it all worked out. You may have intended it for ill, but I'm in a position to help all of you now. And later, after Yaakov died, they begged him forgiveness. And he said, no, there's nothing wrong. There's, uh, it all worked out for the best. Archaim says the point Yosef was making was it, it's apparently a correct point. He says if someone intends to harm his friend, he intends to poison him, but instead he winds up benefiting him. He, he hands him a glass and he thinks it's poison, but really it's delicious wine. He says he doesn't, he, he doesn't know his friend Mechila. He says no harm, no foul. It's fine. He didn't do anything wrong. The Akronim asked on the Archaim, the Klechemda asked on the Archaim, the Gemara says, Niskaving Lechel Basar Chazir, Valabiyadu Basar Tle. Needs a kapara. If someone intends to eat non-kosher food, Gemara talks about a case of a woman who made a neder and the husband was made for it, and she doesn't know the husband was made for it, and she violates the neder. She needs a kapara because even though there was no neder, she thought she was doing an iser. Per- even though the person ate a, a, a kosher hamburger, if he thought it was treif, he needs a kapara. So how can the Archaim say that it, that if it all worked out for for for, for the good, you don't need a kapara? So the Akronim struggle that they they give different reasons to explain. How the Archaim can say that? Some say Rabban Lachaveru is different from Rabban Lamakum. Some say that if you, some say that uh, some, some give other terutzim. But be that as it may, that Archaim is reminiscent to this Archaim. In both cases, he says the fact that they intended to do him harm—that's not actually what happened. They actually benefited him, so that, so so he does, so, so, so so they don't owe him any. Uh, so, so, so they're not credited with it. They're not they're not considered to have sinned. And here also he says that it's not a violation of the principle. Because it all worked out for the best. Furthermore, the Archaim says another explanation for why Shluchim Mitzvah doesn't apply because Yaakov said, Go to Shechem. 
At that point, he went to Shechem, they weren't there, his mission terminated. Yosef chose to follow their trail down to Dosan. Yaakov had not asked for that. Therefore, that was not considered Shluchim Mitzvah, and he no longer had the protection anymore. Now, we're going to see later, the Sefer Mikhan is going to ask, I mean, why? But he was doing what Yaakov wanted. Yaakov, it might not have been his exact words, but clearly that's what Yaakov wanted. If he knew the brothers were somewhere else, we mentioned earlier, maybe he was particularly concerned about Shem. But nevertheless, the Sefer Mikhan says, what do you mean? I mean he, 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 the fact that he wasn't slavishly, literal-minded, that he, that he followed them to a second place, he was still doing what his father wanted. So why, why wouldn't that be Shluchim Mitzvah? But the Archaim says, since that's not exactly what his father said, perhaps the, the, the Shluchim Mitzvah didn't apply once he left Shem. So, so at this point, we have two basic families of approaches. We have those who say that, that Yaakov, at least in hindsight, did something wrong and he regretted it. And we have the, and, and Yosef, uh, and, uh, or, or with that, 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 that it was dangerous and Yaakov regretted it, or that Yosef knew it was dangerous and did it anyway. And we have the opinion of the Radak and the Rechaim that they did not anticipate any danger, because, either because they, they relied on, the, on Yaakov's fear restraining them, or because of the Shluchim Mitzvah. The Sefer Amikna says something, very strong language. He says that, he, he says pretty clearly, it was dangerous, and they were wrong, and it was actually an Avera for Yosef to do that. He says, the Gemara says, Shluchim Mitzvah, and he's okay, so he says that, uh, he says, good, the, the Archaim tells us that ultimately he wasn't harmed. Ultimately he turned out for Yosef's best. But at one point Yaakov thought he was dead. Yaakov said, Yaakov thought he was eaten by an animal. What happened to Shlucham Mitzvah and Nizokin? Says the Archaim, says the Sefer Mikna, that it was dangerous. Since it was dangerous, since it was, what, what, so, since it was dangerous, that there's no mitzvah. There's no mitzvah to listen to your father when it's dangerous. Rabbi says that Yosef learned from Esav to listen to his father even when it was dangerous. But the Sefer Mikna says there is no mitzvah to listen to your father when it's dangerous and because it's usher to place yourself in a situation of danger. Mara says you're not allowed to put yourself in a situation of danger. The halacha is, as we've discussed in the past, you, you don't have to, you're not even allowed to listen to your father when he tells you to do something that's usher. father tells you to violate some halacha then you, you don't listen to him. So the Sefer Mikhnas says pretty clearly, it, because it was dangerous, Yosef did not have to listen. It was usher for Yosef to listen. There was no mitzvah. Since there was no mitzvah, we don't say, Shluchim mitzvah and nizokin. There's no mitzvah. On the contrary, it was usher. And that's why there's no Shluchim mitzvah and nizokin. So the Sefer Mikhnas, following the approach of the Midrash and the and Hasid, that it was dangerous, and, and, and they did it anyway. But unlike the Ryudah Hasid, who says it was a good idea, we should all learn from him, Sefer Mikinus seems to imply it was wrong. He shouldn't have done it. That's why he wasn't protected, because it's usher to listen to your father when he tells you to put yourself in danger. And you, since it's usher, it's not a mitzvah, and there's no protection of Shluch Mitzvah and Nizokin because he was doing the wrong thing. The Sefer Mikinus says, maybe you'll say like the Archaim second shot, that the mitzvah had ended because the mitzvah only extended till Shem. Says the Sefer Mikinus, that's not correct. He brings a Gemara. The Gemara says that if a... Someone sends a shliach to, to go run a certain errand, find an item in a certain place, or find a woman in a certain place and give her a get. And it's not there, but he, but he, but he finds the item or the person somewhere else. That's not called deviating from the shliach if he executes the commission elsewhere, because when he told him this place, it was, he was helping him find it. But he doesn't care where it is. So what he wants is he wants his errand done. So the, the fact that he specified a place, that was just for the shliach's convenience. But, but he doesn't really care, and therefore the shlichus is considered valid wherever he finds him. 
Says the Sefer Mikna, the same thing applied here. Yaakov just wanted to know how his sons were doing, even though I suggested before. Maybe he wanted to know specifically because the Shechem, because Shechem was dangerous. And once they were at a Shechem, Yaakov wasn't so worried about them. But the Sefer Mikna says, he doesn't get into that. He just says, Yaakov wanted a report on his sons, wherever Yosef found them, it was a mitzvah. So that's, that's not correct, he says, Zorachayim's second approach. Therefore, it was dangerous. It was wrong, he says. He says, there's no Shluchim Mitzvah in Nizokin because the Archaim says it was uh, moderate or low danger, so we don't say Shluchim Mitzvah. We do say Shluchim Mitzvah in Nizokin. Tiferikna says, no, the danger was significant, and therefore, like Rida Chassid says, like the Midrash says, the danger was significant. But unlike the Rida Chassid who says, we learn the right thing to do from Yosef, the, the Sefer Mikna says it was wrong. There's no Mitzvah to listen to your father when he tells you to do something dangerous. It's actually usher. And therefore, Yosef should not have done it. It was Navera, and therefore, he did not have the protection of Shluchim Mitzvah Einan Izokin. So the truth is, Abiyuda Chassid tells us that it's, uh, it's an admirable thing to do, the opposite of the Sefer Mikna. It was dangerous, and it was a great thing to do to risk his life. So what does that mean? The Sefer Mikna sounds correct. You don't listen to your father if he tells you to do something wrong, so how can you listen to your father if he tells you to do something that is dangerous? So various achronim deal with this question. We mentioned, back in Parshas told us, we mentioned the Chida. The Chida says that certainly he says the, the, the Sefer Chassidim does not mean that Yosef was obligated to listen to his father. If it was really dangerous, certainly he says politely, but they're recovered. Yosef could have said, I'm sorry, father, I can't do this, it's just too dangerous. Sefer Chassidim does not mean you have to do it. He means you're allowed to do it. He means if, the, if you choose to do it, if a person chooses to risk his life, to, uh, to, to honor his father, that's okay. doesn't explain why, but he says that's okay. He says, we can't really learn halacha from Esav. Esav is not our posik, But he says, we're not really learning from Esav, we're learning from Yitzchak. Yitzchak knew that Esav was risking his life to bring him atam, never said anything to him. It must be that, that, that the halacha is, a person is allowed to risk his life to honor his father, but again, the Chidah is not really explaining why. He says, it, it's risky, and you're allowed to say no, you're allowed to be most nefesh. He doesn't explain why. Since when is a person allowed to risk his life to do mitzvahs? So this question is touched on first by the Shlach. The Shlach Kaddush in, uh, in, in the part of the Shlach that's a Pirishan Chumash. So he, he also, like the Midrash, he says that, that, that going here was dangerous, and they knew that. Yaakov, Yaakov, Yaakov knew that. Yosef knew that. So on the one hand, he says, like the Radak, he says, Hebron, the Midrash says, Rashi brings the Midrash, Emek Hebron is Eitzah Muka, the deep laid plans of Akash Baruch Hu to bring about the, the descent of Yaakov's family to Mitzrayim. So on the one hand, Akash Baruch Hu is manipulating things. We also have to explain that what they were thinking there. They, they weren't robots. So we also have to explain, there might have been pawns in Hashem's hand, but we also have to explain what their thought process was. Sakana Gedola, how could he do it? He brings the same question, the same objection to the Sefer Mikan. If your father tells you to do an Averi, your father tells you to Mechal Shabbos, you don't listen to him, you're not allowed to listen to him. Because both you and your father have a superior obligation to Akash Baruch Hu, so you can't listen to him if he tells you to Mechal Shabbos. The Shlach says something very curious. He says, like Shabbos, like keeping kosher, like a Karim becoming Tameh. If your father says, violate the mitzvah, you tell him, I can't do that. We, have, uh, we, answer, we both answer to a higher authority. I, I can't do that. But that's with regard to things like Shabbos, Mitzvah But if it's your own life, he says, even though the Torah told you to take care of your life, since it is your own life, you have the choice to say, I choose to risk my life to honor my father. Normally we don't say that. Normally we say that the, the, the Balai Hashkafa in Judaism say, 
a person's life is not his own. A person can't commit suicide. A, person, a person's life, Hashem gave it to him, and a person has no authority to throw away his life. That's why the Torah commands you that you have Nishmar to Mulden after Sechem. Normally, it's a mitzvah. You're obligated to take care of your life. Somehow, the Shlah says, yeah, normally you are, but when it comes to keep it Aim, even though your father can't tell you to violate other mitzvahs, but if you choose to give away your life in the service of Kibbutz Aim, that's mutter. Again, it's not so clear what the, what the logic of this is, but that's how the Shlah learns. Even though your father can't tell you to do other Averis, if he tells you to, to if, but if he asks you something, to do something that's dangerous, and you, again, you may not have to, but if you, if you choose to do it, mochel anafsheh, you're mochel, you can do it. Prima Gadam. Great posik on super commentary to the Shach and the Taz and the Magen Avram. He has a sefer on Chumash called Tevas Goma. In his sefer, he asks this question. He says, how could Yosef go? He knew they hated him. And the person to take care of himself. Maybe Yaakov didn't know, he says, but Yosef knew. We saw the Midrashim and others say Yaakov didn't know, but maybe Yaakov didn't know. But Yosef, Yosef surely knew, he says. He says that there is a famous machlokis, the, 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 whether a person's allowed to eat Moser Nefesh for a mitzvah that he's not mechoyiv to. The, we know that there are only the three cardinal mitzvahs of a desire, gilei rayash, fichas damim, a person is obligated to give up his life rather than violate those mitzvahs. Other mitzvahs, you don't have to. Are you allowed to? So, some Rishonim say yes. If a person chooses to give up his life for another mitzvah, kadosh yomerlo, it's a, a midas chasidus. Rambam says no. On the contrary, it's a suicide if you do that. Throwing away your life where the Torah says you, sh- you don't have to, it's usher. You're not allowed to do that. Says the prima Godim, even, even according to the restrictive opinion, he says that, that if a person is an Adam Gadol and he wants to make a public demonstration of how important mitzvahs are, it has to be in public, right. That the, the Adam Gadol is showing everyone how important mitzvahs are, who was going to see this? So they, they were doing this presumably out, of the, out in the wilderness where nobody was going to see. It's a good question, yeah. He says, he makes the whole thing out of this. In that generation, there people were... Not taking Kibbutz Avim seriously enough, they were mezalzlim ksasim, muster nafshu. The question is, right, how was he going to have any impact if he was sold secretly into slavery and nobody saw? An excellent question. I didn't think of that, but I'm not sure. Yeah. All right. That's what the Prima Godim says. He tries to say that Adam Gadol is allowed to muster nefesh. Post can point out. I think other people point out the Prima Godim's terrorist is not entirely satisfactory. We say that usually when, with regard to Goyim. When Goyim are threatening you, even if it's only for Chil Shabbat, it's not one of the Gimel Chamuras, you can be Moser Nefesh. We don't say that if a person is, is dying and needs to be rushed to the hospital, he says, no, no, I'm not going to go to the hospital on Shabbos. I'm going to be Mikadeh Shem Shemayim. That we generally say is not allowed, according to anybody, no matter how much of an Adam Godel you are. To say, I'm not going to eat this non-kosher medicine, I'm going to die to show how important Shabbos is, that we generally don't say. Most posts can say, virtually all posts, you can't do that. The whole discussion of risking your life to be Moser Nefesh is, is, is in the face of Goyim, in the face of, uh, of, of a threat by, 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 by an enemy of the Torah, an enemy of the Jews, to get you to do an Avera, and you say no, you're making a Kiddush Hashem. But when you're fighting disease, or you're in danger of, uh, of trauma, and you say, I'm not going to be Michal Shabbos to go to the hospital, that we, we don't allow generally. So it's here also. Yosef was not facing an enemy who wanted him to do an Avera. Yaakov asked him to, made an unfortunate request that involved substantial danger to his life, so is he really allowed to risk his life? Again, the Shlach the shla has his tarot, which is a little hard to understand. The, the, the Tevas Goma has his tarot, it's a little hard to understand. At the end of the day, though, we have the Sefer Mekinah, who, who makes the most compelling argument. You're not allowed to do what he says. They were wrong. It's, it's us, sir, he says. Again, we talked about criticizing the Avas. is not a simple thing. He says it was an Avera, not a Mitzvah, and that's why we don't say Shluch Mitzvah, Eina Nizok. 
I was looking around a little bit at uh, contemporary sources to see what contemporary posts can say about, uh, about this question of, uh, of uh, risking your life to do Kibbutz Avaim, and I found a, a great contemporary chuva on the topic by Rav Asher Weiss. A couple of years ago, it's not dated, but it's obviously written in the last three years or so, two or three years. He says it was written to a, someone in Lakewood, name redacted, someone in Lakewood, New Jersey. This fellow wanted to get the COVID vaccine. The fellow's father was strongly opposed, demanded that he not vaccinate. This fellow was already an adult. He had his own family. He had his own his, uh, wife and kids. And he wanted to vaccinate. And his father said, absolutely not. I, I, I demand that you not vaccinate. All right. We, 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 we probably, many of us know people on both sides of this debate. So the, he asked Roger Weiss, should I listen to my father? Keep it out of aim. He said, I'm not mamish risking my life. He said, I can social distance. I can, he believed in COVID again. He said, but I, you know, I, can, uh, I can do social distancing. I can, I can wear masks, he says. So maybe you know, if I do that, I can, skip the vac- I can skip the vaccine to please my father. Should I, should I do that? Keep it out of aim or not? What if I already have antibodies? Does that change things? Nogdanim, he calls them. Nogdanim, antibodies. Maybe I'm not, I'm not in such danger, he says. So the, what's this, what, what should I do? Should I, honor, should I honor my father's wishes? Or should I get the vaccine? Says Rav Asher, you should get the vaccine. Rav Asher was strongly pro-vaccination. Says Rav Asher, you should get the vaccine. He says, why? He makes two, two main arguments. Two arguments. So one of them, not directly, not directly related to our topic tonight, but one of them, or it is related actually, but we haven't really gotten to it yet, is that, as we've discussed a number of times, there is a discussion in the Gemara, Kibbut Avaim, is it Mishal Av or Mishal Ben? The father has to help the, the, the son has to help the father. He has to machilo, mashkeu, give him food and drink. Who has to pay for the food and the drink? So Mishalav, meaning father pays for it. You you can go. You do the shopping. You do the cooking. You help him eat. But father pays for it. Mishal Ben means the son pays for it. Machlokas in the Gemara. We pass in Mishalav that in general the son has to help the father, but he can ask the father for his credit card, and uh, and he bills the father. So, and, and as we've discussed, posts can extend this to other areas where they say, Kibbutz aim does not, cannot require a son to make a substantial sacrifice in order to honor the father. The, the, the famous Shuvah the Marik, we quote all the time. The Marik was, was talking, asked about a case of a son who wanted to marry a certain woman, and the father objected, for reasons that are not clear. The question is, does the son have to obey his father? The Marik said no. He made, th- and he gave three reasons. One of the reasons is that Kibbutz aim is Michel... Is Michel, is Michel Av, not Michel Ben. Asking the son to give up the, the woman he wants to marry would be Michel Ben. You're asking him to sacrifice something important to him, and you don't do that. And, then, and that's, the, that's the Marik. That's the, the Russia says that's the halacha. So, it's, so, if, this, so it's, if, if, this, if this son wants to vaccinate, the, I'm sorry, I'm actually mixing things up here. This is, this is what this, this Rav Asher does not say. This, this, is what, this is what I was thinking. This Rav Asher does not say. Rav Asher invokes the two other the two other, uh, two other aspects of the Marik, one, the two other arguments the Marik makes, this would be, this would be something which, I'm, which one could propose, but, 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 but Rav Asher makes, invokes the two other arguments of the Marik. One of them is that there's a fundamental question, can, the father, can a father or mother demand that the child do things where their honor is not directly involved? The classic example, your mother says, wear a sweater, it's cold outside. So do you have to do that? Her cover is not directly involved. Some posts can say no. Machilo, mashkeu. You have to do things that show honor, and you have to not do things that show disrespect. 
You don't have to. You don't have to do arbitrary things that your parents ask you to do. Even though the Gemara says one of the one of the one of the forms of yira is lososerist varav, not contradicting your parents. The but that means you don't contradict if your father says. If, you, if your father says, you know, Trump is the greatest president we ever had, or Biden is the greatest president we ever have, and you say, no, that's not true, that's Lososeris Dvarov. But if your father says, vote for Trump, or vote for Biden, and you vote for whoever you want, that's not Lososeris Dvarov. You're just not doing what he wants you to do. Other postcom disagree. Other postcom says, and not, not listening to him, is a violation of Kavod or Yera. If you, had, if you honored your father, you'd respect his wishes. If you had fear of your father, you wouldn't disobey him. So that's a major Machloks that postcom. One of the Marik's arguments is that he takes the narrow view that there is no obligation in terms of Kavanamara to do things your father wants you to do. And therefore he says that he cannot demand that you marry this woman. And Ravashar says that's the Iker Lahalacha. He brings a lot of different sources on this, but he says the Iker Lahalacha is your father, the way he puts it is that you know, there's no mitzvah. Again, it's a nice thing to do, but there's no mitzvah gemurah, there's no absolute mitzvah beyond giving him things he needs just to do things he wants you to do. The way Ravashar puts it is. The father has no right to, to, to make rules for how the son and, and daughter should live their lives. The father has no such right. He can ask for things that, that pertain to his honor, but he can't demand that they do things. That was the second reason of the Marek, or one of the reasons of the Marek, and that reason applies to vaccines as well. Since the father's covered is not directly involved, he can't order the kid to vaccinate. To not vaccinate, or, or to vaccinate, presumably, either way. The third svar of the Marek besides Kibbutzav Michel, Michel Av, and uh, he can't tell you what to do, is that, uh, this is, I always say, this is the most romantic tshuva that we have. The Marik says, it's a mitzvah, al pi alacha, al pi the Gemara, to marry the woman that you love and not to marry someone else. Chazal, that's why Chazal says you have to see the woman, because you might not like her if you, if you, if you go on a blind, you can have a blind date, but not a blind marriage. Says the, Marik, says, the, says the Marik, we see from Chazal and various Gemaras that it's important to love your wife, Therefore, he says, if your father tells you, don't marry the one that you love, marry someone else, your father is telling you to be lavar al divrei Torah. That it's a mitzvah to marry the one that you love. And if you marry, if you don't, your father maybe says, there's plenty of fish in the sea, you'll find somebody else who you love also. You're young, etc. But says Marik, nope, she's the one. Marik assumes she's the one. If, if you want to marry her and your father says, don't marry her, your father is telling you to be over al divrei Torah. By trying to tell you not to marry the woman you're in love with, he's telling you to be over al divrei Torah. We don't listen to a father who tells his son to be Avril Divrei Torah. And therefore, Rav Asher says, that's his second reason that applies in our case as well. He says, after going on for a while about this discussion of your father can't just make arbitrary demands on you, he says that the, you don't listen to your father because COVID is still very, very serious, he says. My gay fazu, and again, I'm not sure when exactly this was written, but he says, my gay fazu, adayin mishtolel from lo uza, it's still raging in full force. Rabbim chalalam hipila, it has uh, caused many casualties. More than 100 million people, he says, have fallen ill throughout the world. Close to 2.5 million have died. You can pro- those stats will probably help you figure out exactly when he wrote this tshuva. Tens of thousands of Jews, he says. Even if at some point people think the, the epidemic is abating, he says, it's a toast, he says, because it, it's, it stops and starts. Sometimes it's almost stopped, and then, it, and then it bursts back into life again. Thousands of people, he says, just in the last two weeks have died, he says. Therefore, it's a mitzvah for everyone to vaccinate. Oh, no, no, no. I, I just meant that the, the Marik mentions this thing that, that if he can construct a mitzvah, a mitzvah to do it, even if it's not like one of the Tariq mitzvahs, if, he, if we can argue that I'll be terror, this is what you're supposed to do, and your father tells you don't do it, uh, 
then you don't listen to him. Here also, since uh, Rav Asher says vaccin- vaccinating is a mitzvah, it's a chiyuv, and therefore there's no kibbutz avaim to, to listen to him. He says calls that baru pashut be'enai. He says he says that the that, that here as well he says that if the son wants to vaccinate to, 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 to keep to keep himself safe and his family he says and everyone who, in, who, with whom he comes in contact that's the right thing to do v'kach noya v'kach yoya. Chedas Rov, Ruvam Shalrofi Asman, like most contemporary physicians, and Gedola Yisrael, you don't have to listen to your father. And he goes on like this, and he says, however, he recommends, he says, don't tell your father that you vaccinated. He says, don't, don't bring it up, and even if he asks you directly, he says, you can lie. You can say you didn't vaccinate, because why hurt his feelings, he says, you're allowed to lie for the sake of preserving harmony within the family, he says, so the ikker is, you don't have to listen, both because your father can't make arbitrary demands on you, and because, and because it's a mitzvah to vaccinate, and therefore there's no, you don't have to listen to your father when he tells you to do something that's, uh, that, that's usher. However, he says, the, don't tell him, and you can even lie. In light of what we've been saying, this is a big machlokis. Is a person supposed to do kibbutz avaim when the father tells him to do something dangerous? So again, I don't see anyone who says you're mechuyiv to. Even the Rabbi Yudah Chassid who says it, uh, it was a great, Yosef is, is teaching us a lesson how far we should go in Kibbutz Avaim. We said, the Chidah explains in his Rosh David, he doesn't mean it's a Chiyuv, he means it's an aspirational thing to do, it's, it's, it's a great mitzvah. We learn from Esav and Yitzchak, but it's not a Chiyuv. But it is, it is a mitzvah. So according to the Sefer Chassidim, we can argue, in the case of the vaccination, that might be a very similar thing. Your father wants you not to vaccinate, you're convinced that it's dangerous. Yosef was convinced that it was dangerous for him to go to Shechem as well. And he said, he said, my father, this is what my father wants, I'm going to do it, I'm going to risk my life. Again, we, we discussed various acronym wonder why that should be so, but Lemaise, that is what Rabbi Yudah Chassid Paskins, that, and that is what several of these acronyms say, that a person, again, the Primagodim limits it to an Adam Gadol in certain context, the Shloss seems to think that it's your life to dispose of as you will, so you can always risk your life to honor your parents. So according to the Sefer Chassidim, the Shloss, it seems that you might not be mechayiv to, to listen to your father if he tells you not to vaccinate, but it would be a mitzvah to do that, possibly, because it's a, not a chayiv, but a mitzvah, because just like Yosef did, he risked his life to honor his father. Maybe there would be a mitzvah to risk your life to honor your father. On the other hand, we mentioned from the Sefer HaMikinah, Sefer HaMikinah says, what Yosef did was usher. You're not allowed to listen to your father if, 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 you're, if you're risking your life. They says that that's why Yosef didn't have the protection of Shluch Mitzvah and Nizokin, because he shouldn't have done it, because, uh, because it was dangerous, and you're not supposed to put yourself in danger to honor your father. So it seems to be a, a, a machlokis, a poskim, whether a person is allowed to or supposed to risk his life to honor it, to, to do kibbutz avayim. Everyone seems to agree it's not mama shachiv, but there are poskim who think that it is a very good idea, like Rabbi Yudah Chassid and the Shla. On the other hand, there are poskim who say that it's Asher, the Sefer Mikna, Rav Asher Weiss, and his tshuva says that he should... He says, he doesn't say it's usher to, 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 you know, he says it's a mitzvah to vaccinate. He says, Ein klal mitzvah I'm not sure how to reconcile that with Rabbi Yudah Chassid, but he says there is no mitzvah at all of kibbutz avayim in, 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 with regard to, uh, to a parent who asks the child not, 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 not to get vaccinated. He says, since that's what the, 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 both physicians and, and Gedola Yisrael recommend, you don't need to listen to your father.